0: Welcome to the Cross to Crown Podcast, where we keep the system out of theology, and the baby out of the bathwater. We keep the text in its context, and the new in the New Covenant. Our mission is to help you live intentionally, Christ-obsessed in all things. Hey,
1: everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cross to Crown podcast. I'm Chris Fails, and I'm joined, as always, with Doug Gooden. Uh, We are recording the seventh episode of this podcast, and I I just – every time I look at what episode it is, I'm like, wow, we're already there at seven. So uh, what does that mean, like one more and we've hit two months' worth right now, something like that? (laughs) Uh, So – um, we are going to be covering the sixth distinctive of NCT today, and we'll get into that in a minute. But first, uh, I want to say, "Hey, to, hey, to Doug, and see how he's doing."
0: Hey, Chris, I am doing great, and uh time is just flying by. I, it does mm-hmm. seem crazy that we're on number seven already. Uh, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh hey, Doug, you're you're a pastor. I've, I've mentioned it before. It's just so everybody knows
1: you're a pastor, author professor president of the seminary if you will and um uh you hold a lot of other titles and stuff husband and and father etc etc you're preaching currently through a series um you you, i I, it's great because on the cross the crown facebook page uh there's there's all these different messages that go up so if you're not subscribed or liking that page go over there and like that and you'll get messages of all these wonderful sermons books Music material. Um, In fact, if if you've been listening to our show and you hear the music at the the beginning uh, and also at the end, you'll hear some Cross the Crown original music that's uh, from an album called Exalted. And and Doug, that's your niece, isn't it, that sings?
0: It is, yeah. She's got a great voice, hasn't she?
1: Yeah, she does. She does. Now, are you playing the guitar in any of those?
0: No, I wrote some of the songs, but uh, we farmed out all the uh, instrumentation to some pros in Nashville. Mm. I would love to, but uh, my chops are not that good.
1: Yeah, I gotta admit, I, I listen oftentimes uh, right before we do the show, I, I pump myself up by listening to the first track, uh, Exalted, mm. to get ready for it, <laughs> the show. <laughs> yeah, we had a coffee. lot of
0: fun putting that thing together, and uh, just so proud of my niece, she did a great job. Yeah. My uh, my daughters are singing like crazy now on Ooh. our music team, and uh, they have some pretty great voices, and my son plays guitar, drums, and bass on our music team, so uh, we'll be doing some more stuff nice. with them one of these days, yeah.
1: Great. We'd love to see another album come out. That'd be great. Uh, so uh, what I was going to going towards is, is it that the Facebook page puts out daily books, uh, notifications about them in case anybody's interested in this topic, but we also get notifications of messages you're preaching. You've got Ephesians. Uh, you've got also marriage videos that pop up. What are, what are you preaching through right now?
0: So we are doing a four week series on sexual sin primarily geared toward uh, homosexuality
2: mm-hmm. obviously
0: this is a perennial topic in our culture it's been going on for you know decades now the the gay agenda and all that but it seems like uh, i don't know how familiar you are or our listeners are with uh a, the revoice conference that right. took place yes. uh, recently and actually i went to covenant seminary they sent one of their professors over there to speak at this thing. oh wow and I, I have not been terribly thrilled with how they've interacted with some of the uh, critique they've received in response. Um, anyway, there's, there's confusion all over the place uh, in a nutshell. And, and I don't, I don't want to take up all of our time here, but in a nutshell, mm-hmm. the, the, the folks who are part of the uh, revoice conference, they are advocating a gay Christian perspective where mm-hmm. you have to remain celibate, but God made you gay and there's nothing wrong with that. Right, so You can have a deep Intimate relationship with someone of the same sex, as long as you don't actually get into the physical part of it. And you look at some of their Facebook profile pictures mm-hmm. and things. I mean, it right. looks like you know me and my wife. It's they're cuddly, they're they're close, and the way they describe this. And I thought, with all of our young people that are heading off to college, and they're mm-hmm. just to be slammed with this perspective in the world, we need to take some time and walk through what what does the Bible clearly say, and then how do we respond to Christians, so called. Mm-hmm that adopt this? How do we respond to to the unbelieving world? How do we love these people and try to win them to Christ, but not compromise the truth? So that's what we're talking about these uh, next four weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And last, last week we mentioned, uh, the social justice mm-hmm. thing that was put out there, that, that, that statement. And they did have a, a response to that too, which I thought was good. Um, and they include this whole issue in there, but I was surprised at revoice about the, um, uh, who, the people that were were attending it and some of the things that were coming out about that, um, just very shocked. But yeah, I'll, I'll be interested in hearing that series that you've got because uh, I think it's very timely and very need needed because there's a lot of folks who, um, who at one point would have agreed with the position that um that that homosexuality is sin that are now starting to soften because of what they're hearing from friends um the continual onslaught from social media uh uh, television movies i mean you can't Mm -hmm. you can't go or see anything without being uh inundated with this nowadays and and you're, you're being told that if you don't follow along with that you're a bigot and uh you're hateful so uh, there's, there's, it's, it's something that's needed, uh, good, good, solid biblical messages yep. upon uh, this topic.
0: Well, and you expect to hear all those things from the world. Right. But as Paul and Peter both told us, the greatest attack against Christianity is going to rise up within mm-hmm. the
3: church. Right. And
0: right. our job as shepherds is to beware of the wolves that are dressed up like sheep. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that will really wreck somebody's faith, especially a younger person. Mm-hmm. Uh, when so-called Christians are right. affirming this, we have a, a family in our church that is just being wrecked by this uh, mm. an adult uh, woman who married for years, kids, and she decided a couple of years ago that she's lesbian and Mm -hmm. uh left her husband and has pursued a relationship with this woman and she's in a church not too far from here and she's being told sunday after sunday after sunday what you're doing is good and pleasing to the lord and everyone else is just against you and hates you and uh you know as as strong as some people can be when it's that close to you Mm -hmm. there's just the temptation to to waver and this couple by god's grace is not wavering at all but Mm -hmm. We want to just reinstill for them, stand firm, stand firm no mm-hmm. matter the cost, right. uh, stand firm on these things because it's just so important. And so this past Sunday, I preached the first sermon in the series, mm-hmm. and I talked mostly about the, the positive attitude that God has towards sex mm-hmm. because so often the message we tell the world is don't, 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 that's evil, but we need to give them the contrast too done mm-hmm. the way God designed it as husband and wife, it's a beautiful right. thing. We, yes. uh, God is not against sex. He's against sin. And we need mm-hmm. to keep that clear. So anyway, yeah, it's important. And I would encourage any pastor who's listening to not be naive. This is affecting your congregation in yep. some way yep. and uh, you need to stay on top of it.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe you we have to do a show on, mm-hmm. on this uh, in, the, in the near future because it's, it's going to be one of the big things that the, the church will have to continually be fighting with and against um, yeah. in, in, the, in the next couple decades. It'll be a constant thing probably. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, so,
1: uh, the, let, uh, me, let me
0: jump in here before, before you do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, two things are on my mind. One is, uh, and, and I don't remember if I prepped you for this or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, one is uh, for anybody who, does, who is interested in more on the law that we've been talking about mm-hmm. the last few weeks and the old covenant, new covenant stuff. Um, if you haven't read John Riesinger's mm-hmm. books, they're they're just essential reading on this. Of course, the classic is Abraham's Four Seeds. He's also got uh, a book called Tablets of Stone, where mm-hmm. he talks through the purpose of the Ten Commandments, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. And then he's got one called But I Say Into You, where he talks uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, because covenant guys will often go there and say Jesus is simply, uh, you know, showing us the true interpretation of the Ten Commandments, and he is bringing it forward to uh, New Covenant Christians. So that's great. But then there's another one called, In Defense of Jesus, right. the New Lawgiver. In Defense of Jesus, the New Lawgiver. And uh, it's, it's a great work mm-hmm. to uh, process through some of these things. So I would encourage any of our listeners who want more than we've given them in these podcasts to wrestle through this, to check out those resources from John Riesker. He's, he's just yeah. the best on this stuff.
3: Yeah.
1: Hey, I don't know if I've ever told you about um, uh, how I first was introduced to, to NCT accidentally. Some mm-hmm. guy, some guy back when I was, um, and I wish. So, so what happened was when I was in my young twenties, mid twenties, somebody said, "Hey, I just finished reading a really good book that helps you understand um, uh, the the, the, Abraham's, the Abrahamic Covenant and how how it works out in the Bible." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And he says, "I really don't want to give up my copy to you to borrow, so I'll make a photocopy." This guy went and photocopied every page of of this book and gave it to me in a loose leaf binder. And um, uh, I skimmed it. I didn't really read it. I just skimmed it and said, "I'll get back to it." And then, of course, things came up. Years went by, and it, it was finally years later. I, know, I was about um, oh my mid mid tw- latter twenties, I think. 20 the, yeah, latter 20s. When I finally opened it up and started reading it, and I was like, Whoa! <laughs> hmm. and, I, and up until just recently, I still had that loosely finder with the, my original photocopied version of, of uh, the Four Seeds of Abraham by Riesinger. Wow. Yeah, but th- those are gold. I mean, if you have not read anything by uh, John Riesinger or, or, or um, uh, gotten a hold of, of those books. You got to You got to get that stuff. It's it's gold. It's gold. Yeah,
0: I should. And you need to burn that copy because that's the illegal copy infringement. So <laughs> get, get rid of that so, so your conscience can be clear. That's right. Well, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to do for our listeners who uh, who probably don't know this, uh, this is a, a little more serious topic, but uh, your father has uh-huh. uh, has reached what looks like the end of his journey here. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. you and I have talked uh, just what a testimony, his life, mm-hmm. and, and he's finishing well. Right. Uh, so just share a little bit with everybody your heart and his testimonies, and uh, just yeah. give glory to God for his life, if you would.
1: Yeah, so yeah, yesterday or last week was was uh, very interesting. As soon as we finished recording, um, I got a phone call and had to, to jump in the car and drive a few hours up north to, to see my dad. My dad has uh, uh, been... Over 40 years ago, let's see, 43, 43 years ago, 43 years ago, when I was just a little guy, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And was was uh, he was pastoring a church at the time, and uh, he was told that he had the most 10 years to live.
3: Hmm.
1: And uh, he determined that he was going to live that time serving as best as possible as he could the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, 10 years came and went, and he kept on working and uh, <laughs> kept on. Hmm. He's he's pastored um, uh, on and off, and he's been a professor of Greek, archaeology, cults, religion, um, things like that. Um, he's he's uh, done writings. Uh, uh, he's just kept busy. So he's not he's been one of those guys that was not able to hold a, a a typical job because of his multiple sclerosis, but he was able to serve, and that's one of the things I, I grew up seeing. Is is um, uh, I used to, to say. That my dad was a a servant of the Lord who was playing wounded. Mm. Not not playing, pretending, but playing wounded. He he would go into the game even though his leg was broke, type thing. Um, My dad would uh, suffer from incredible pain uh, when I was a child. I I would hear him screaming from his bedroom in pain sometimes, Hmm. and um, uh, he would go blind. At times he would he would lose the ability to use his fingers, and that was devastating for him because the fact that he also was a guitarist and uh, he used to play the, the twelve string and, and uh, he wrote songs for each one of us, but uh, he he was always he never never doubted god 's love for him he never never questioned uh, why am I going through this and he realized that it was a testimony and an opportunity to glorify Jesus through it, and he did he continued to do that. I remember when he was pastoring. <laughs> When he was pastoring, his last pastor, um, he, he would wear himself out because uh, he has no, a very low immune system and, and, and uh, very, very weak uh, because of it. And so he would preach on Sunday mornings, and, and he would, after the service, greet and talk to people. And as soon as he was done, uh, as soon as everybody was gone – we would have the station wagon. We had one of those big old station wagons back then. We'd had the station wagon ready with him with the back door open because in the back, the seats were laid down and there was a mattress back there. Mm -hmm. And he would, he would literally crawl in there and lay back down and be asleep in a moment because he was so spent and he would rest all afternoon and, and be ready to go back that Sunday evening to preach and fellowship some more. And it was like that for several years, watching him do that, serving the Lord in that way. Um, and uh, he continued on. And then so a few years ago, though, he, um, he he took a turn where his multiple sclerosis just really got worse and he lost the ability to walk. And he's been bedridden for the most part. And uh, he he can get out through a motorized wheelchair. His wife has to operate it because his hands are shaky. Um, but the man just just as a testimony, he's, he's been going into the hospital more and more these last days and for longer periods of time. And they've been just, uh, he's been on the brink of passing away and, and they would administer the proper procedures to bring him back and to revitalize him. And um, it's come to the point now where uh, he's determined that uh, him and his wife have, have talked and have determined that it's, it's uh, time for them to stop going to the hospital. Hmm. Um, it's becoming very painful and uncomfortable at the hospital. Um, and he has determined that what he's going to do is go home and uh, be able to enjoy some things he hasn't enjoyed for a long time. He's not been able to eat. Um, he mm. can't eat solid foods. He can't drink anything um, because they're afraid of him uh, choking himself or what it might be. So he's going to be able to go home now. And um, he just can't, actually, he went home last night. He's back mm. at his house now. He's actually been enjoying tea for the first time in years. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be able to enjoy some more things. And he's going to um, uh, be – he's ready to see the Lord. Um, um, let me put it that way. He's, he, we were talking in the hospital about um, withdrawing all preventive care as far as um, keeping him alive. Hmm. And uh, he, he says, yeah, that's that's I'm ready to see the Lord. And he's just I, I've just been amazed, you know, the 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 fearlessness that he has because of his faith in Christ. He knows that that Christ is the victor over the grave. And that the moment that his his he breathes his last breath and closes his eyes here, that he's going to see Jesus, and mm. all his pain and suffering of forty years is going to be gone. And uh, instead, there'll be glory and wonder and and uh, delight. And it just he's he's looking forward to it, <laughs> and, and, and he's just amazed me, That's just amazed amazing.
0: me, yeah, yeah, so wonderful. And you yeah, know, as the scripture says, that we grieve, but not as those without hope. That is right. a perfect illustration of it, that.
1: It is. It is. And everyone who knows the Lord, um, who, who knows him, um, are excited for him. Uh, it's, it's very been very interesting. There's been nobody saying uh, uh, anything negative except, for the, you know, we, we will miss him greatly. Right. But uh, everybody's really excited for him because they know what's going to happen to him. Once he, he, he dies here on this earth, um, that he'll be in the presence of the Lord. So, so um, it's been a neat thing. Also, it's been a testimony to those who we do know that don't know Christ, hmm. uh, who are close to him, and we're praying for them. And uh, uh, you can keep me in prayer. I'll be, I'll be uh, conducting a funeral for him hmm. when it comes that time. And, and we're looking now about um, – you know not to, not to put a time necessarily on it, but we're not looking uh, – but just a short period of time that he'll be on this earth still.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been there uh, a year and a week ago. My mother died and uh, uh, did her service, and it was hard. But what a privilege to Mm -hmm. be able to testify to her goodness Mm -hmm. and God's grace in her life and and to preach the gospel to those in the audience that I knew didn't know him. So, Lord, uh, brother, we will be praying for you. And uh, just what a testimony for your dad. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate the way that you're walking through this. Uh, that's an example for me and mm-hmm. for others as well. So thanks mm-hmm. for uh, thanks for living out the true hope, even when it hurts.
1: Yeah. It's just one more thing. One of the things he said to me that uh, is going to probably stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, he, I, I finished praying for him before I left last time. And he, he, he brought me near and kissed me on the cheek and said, I am so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. I, ah, that's that's. Powerful, simple words, powerful stuff coming from a man who's going to be meeting the Lord very soon. So.
0: He's left you the, uh, the sermon already. You yes, he has. You've a little
1: work
3: to do. Yep, <laughs> that's, that's, right. Awesome.
1: that's right. That's right. Awesome. All right, so uh, let's, let's get into our topic today. Um, in God's plan, we've talked about this before. God has one plan, and that is to exalt Jesus Christ above all things, and that should be our plan. We should understand that that's why all things were created, and that includes us. Well, in that plan, he determined to provide for Christ Jesus a community of worshipers consisting of those who had received a full and complete forgiveness of all their sins through the blood of the covenant, the new covenant that was shed by Christ Jesus on the cross. Though the presence of God had been present prior to the cross, often as a shadow of what was to come, these forgiven ones of the new covenant community are given the Holy Spirit in a way that is unique to them alone. Therefore, it is our assertion that the New Covenant community, the church, is made up only of believers in Jesus Christ, of those who are fully forgiven and have the Holy Spirit. And that is the sixth distinctive of New Covenant theology. All members of the New Covenant community are fully forgiven and have the Holy Spirit. So, um, I remember uh, one time we went over this with... uh, some friends of mine, and what he said is, that means we're Baptists. <laughs> 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 and yeah, we're, 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 we're in agreement with that, but um, <laughs> we're going to get into some more detail about that, in, and mainly from the scriptures here. Um, Doug, weren't those in the Old Covenant recipients of salvation and forgiveness seeing as how they were delivered from the plagues of the firstborn, they were delivered from Egypt and so on, and they partook in atonement sacrifices of the tabernacle and temple. Were, were, wasn't that the same thing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, yes and no. Okay. Uh, the, uh, as we've been saying all along, the scripture tells us that, Everything that happened in the Old Covenant was a picture and Mm -hmm. uh, foreshadow of what Jesus would do in the New Covenant. So uh, you do have God redeeming Israel. You do have Mm -hmm. God saving and delivering Israel from Egypt. And he he chose them. He brought them Mm -hmm. out of slavery and he promised them the land of Canaan, the promised land and all of those things. But the scripture uses all of those terms and that whole story as uh, a picture of what Christ was going to do, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a wonderful picture. Just as Israel was enslaved to this harsh ruler, Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. uh, we are born into the world enslaved to a harsh ruler, Satan, and our own sinfulness, and Christ has redeemed us and saved us out of that. However, the terms don't Do not mean exactly the same thing uh, it 's not a spiritual salvation that Israel had from Egypt. It was a very physical temporal salvation, but it gives us a picture so to answer the the bigger question here, were old covenant people saved in the way right. that you you and I are saved? Mm-hmm. The answer is the same: Did they believe in the atoning work of the coming messiah mm. Uh, that's what these sacrifices portrayed to them over and over again. So there were some uh, Jews who, when they brought their sacrifices and heard the priest preaching and teaching, when they heard the, or saw the priest on the day of atonement lay his hands on the head of those two goats and confess the sins of the people, for some Israelites, this was just a ritual. This was just a thing they had to do. They didn't believe it. They didn't care. They perished when they died Mm -hmm. for anyone who believed that god was promising to forgive their sins because of the death of another they will be with us in heaven for all eternity uh we don't know exactly especially prior to the old covenant we don't know exactly how much god's people understood of the coming one Mm -hmm. but anybody who has ever been forgiven of their sins are forgiven because they believed right. that, that God would forgive them through someone else. And uh, as far as the scripture is uh, goes, we see the story unpacked and unfolded, how much everybody knew along the way. That's just hard for us to tell. But there is no salvation uh, eternally apart from faith in the coming Messiah, or in our case, the, the, the Messiah who's already come. So we just have to be careful and not confuse those terms mm. Uh, salvation from Pharaoh and Egypt is not equal to salvation from the wrath of God.
1: Right, there's a distinction that distinction that's going on right there, mm-hmm. and that's really important to keep in mind um, because if you don't, you start confusing and jumbling quite a bit that's uh, going on in the scriptures there.
0: Right. So let me anticipate uh, <laughs> what what the follow up would be here. Um, probably so so jeremiah 31 we we went over this before jeremiah 31 31 Mm -hmm. uh, god gives the promise of the new covenant now we we have hammered this in previous uh episodes and and hopefully people grasp this now the old covenant did not say your sins are forgiven Hmm. (laughs) old covenant said if you obey i'll bless you if you disobey i will destroy you
3: Mm mm-hmm
0: saying i will destroy you is not equal to i forgive you All right those, are, those right. are mutually exclusive ideas <laughs> you are going to be judged and condemned by the old covenant if you're a jew under that covenant in jeremiah 31:31 31, 31 and following god says this to israel behold days are coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant mm-hmm. with the house of israel and with the house of Judah. Uh, and to make sure that our, our covenant brothers are listening, he doesn't say, I will make a newer administration of this covenant of grace. Right, says, right. I'm going to make a new covenant. And if that doesn't convince you, the first part of verse 32 says, not <laughs> like the covenant, which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them. I took them as my wife. I entered into the marriage covenant, and they committed adultery. I'm going to make a new covenant, and it will not be like that one. The covenant I'm going to make now, they can't break. That's Mm the beauty. That's where he goes. Mm -hmm. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. That was Mm. not a promise of the old covenant. In fact, it was just the opposite. God says, I will by no means allow the guilty to go unpunished. He said that over and over again to the Jews. I will destroy you for your sin. I will remember your sins against you. But in the new covenant, if you are in the new covenant, your sins are forgiven. That's Mm. a tremendous difference in the covenants.
1: Yeah, this passage is great because the fact that it shows clear distinctions from it, it, the new covenant versus the old covenant, um, where the old covenant was breakable. Uh, this one is not, and it's God. It's based upon God's uh, doing, um, th- the whole forgiveness, the, the, the uh, uh, no one asking his, his – or, or having to teach his neighbor because of the fact that God's going to put this teaching in them. Uh, so it, it's great to show the distinctions between the Old Covenant and New Covenant, but at the same time, it, it changes some things about who's in the covenant and we're going to look a little bit more, I think, as we go along, who's in the covenant, uh, <laughs> because this is this – is, by looking at the, the covenant and what it, what, it, what it is and what it does, we, look, we find out about who is in it as well. It's those
0: who are forgiven. Right. So one of the things that our covenant brothers love to do, uh, the reform guys, they love to do is they like to use the term covenant community. Mm-hmm. And they say that the Old Covenant and the New Covenant communities are basically the same with a few changes along the way. There's a newer administration of these things, but they want to see Israel and the church as essentially the same. That is not how the Bible portrays this. Mm-hmm. Every Jew was in the Old Covenant by virtue of being born into it. And if you were a man and you were circumcised, you are in the covenant, not in the covenant community. You're in the covenant. You are a your, your relationship to God is defined by the Sinai covenant or the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And that means you were obligated to keep the commandments of God or else face his judgment. It didn't matter what you thought of Yahweh. It didn't matter if you loved him. It didn't matter mm-hmm. if you wanted. You didn't choose to be in this covenant. You were born into it. Mm-hmm. And now you're obligated to its terms. There were vast majority of jews who did not know the lord right they rebelled against him they didn't care about him they the they manufactured idols they did not know the lord but they were in the covenant not just the community they were attached to the covenant and again let me let let that sink in Mm -hmm. the vast majority of jewish people did not know god here, we're told in the New Covenant, everyone knows him. You can't get into the yes. New Covenant mm-hmm. unless you know the Lord.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what brings you in. You mm-hmm. acknowledge Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I believe in him. I give my life to him. You are now in the New Covenant, and you, you started by knowing him. That's a tremendous difference. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so let me get this straight. Just to clarify, the New Covenant is made up of believers who are forgiven and their children.
3: Ah! <laughs> I mean,
1: you know, Acts 7, 38, Stephen says that the, the church, uh, the Israel was the church, right? The ecclesia
2: uh-huh. in, sure. in the
1: wilderness. So therefore, uh, some of them were believers in the in the Old Covenant, and some of them weren't. And uh, as we see the, the unfolding of this one single covenant of grace, different administrations in this New Covenant, God's still working within families, so therefore... Um, You have some believers who are forgiven and some who are not who are related to the believers, right?
0: Right, yeah. So if you want to read Don't. systematic theology instead of the Bible, that's where you end up. Just
3: because
0: right. the word ecclesia is used there does not mean God has now defined ecclesia in a way that must be imported into every usage. No, the right. Jews clearly were the called out ones from all the other nations. That's what he said. You're a, you're a people from my own possession. You're a holy nation. Mm-hmm. All of that, which again was a picture of Christ and his people. hmm but that does not mean that everyone who was called out of those other nations were people who knew God. We are told mm-hmm. just the opposite. They didn't right. know God and they perished in the wilderness and they perished when Nebuchadnezzar came down and God's anger rested on them consistently. Nope. The only way your kids and my kids get into the covenant is if they have their own personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Yep. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You don't see anywhere in the scriptures where the new covenant is described, where it's, it's uh, inclusive of Unbelievers, people who are not forgiven. I mean that's, that's the basic tenet of this new covenant is forgiveness. These, these people who are in the covenant uh, are those who have been forgiven through the blood of the, 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 the Messiah who inaugurated the covenant in his blood. So you, you don't get into the covenant without having been forgiven. They, they no, go hand there, in hand.
0: There are wolves dressed up like sheep. Mm-hmm, there are yeah, people yeah. in our midst that we don't know that they are actually wolves. They look like sheep from our perspective, but God knows if they're his mm-hmm. or not. They can be in the community of the church, but they're not actually in the new covenant if they don't have genuine faith. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what age they are. You've got to have genuine faith.
1: Okay. Well, let me, let me, uh, let me jump back just a little bit um, because we may have somebody who's listening who just stumbled upon this podcast. Um, and uh, maybe new to or, or has never been exposed to the gospel before. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. What, what, how, how is this forgiveness of our sins achieved and how is it received?
0: So, in a nutshell, to put it put simply, uh, every one of us is born under the wrath of God because mm-hmm. we are offspring of Adam. But then we go on and prove that we deserve that because we (laughs) sin ourselves. We do like our father Adam did, and we sin, and we are therefore liable to God's judgment and wrath. He, as a good judge uh, and a just judge, has the right and the responsibility to punish those who do evil. We expect that of any judge anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the right thing to do is to punish evil. So we all stand before God guilty. He sent his son Jesus who was not guilty of any sin whatsoever. He obeyed the law of Moses with perfection so that there was no way to condemn him according to that law as he stood Mm -hmm. in the place of the Jews. And then God, through the Jews and the Romans, put Jesus on the cross and treated him as though he were me and you. Mm -hmm. He turned his back. Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is striking because Mm -hmm. every other time that Jesus called out to God, he called him father. Mm -hmm. But here it's not father. It's not Abba. It's my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And of course, he's quoting from Psalm 22. And if you read Psalm 22, then you see the agony that Jesus was going through and what was going on there. So God turns his back on his son just as he should turn his back on you and me. He's treating Jesus like he's you and me. When we believe that, so Jesus died, then he rose again on the third day. And the, the essence of the gospel is when we believe that, when we put our trust And say, I do believe that Jesus died for my sin, that he was punished, though he was innocent, he was punished for my sin, then his righteousness is transferred to my account. So, I like to phrase it this way, God treated Jesus like he was me, Mm -hmm. so that he could treat me like I am Jesus.
3: Mm.
0: When I stand before him at judgment... God does not see my sin and my works. He sees the righteousness of Christ, and he says, I accept that. You are forgiven. You welcome into my, my kingdom to, to eternal life. So there's that great exchange that uh, Paul talks about to the Corinthians. There's he became sin so mm-hmm. that we can become righteous. You trust Jesus, and you get his righteousness, and now you are forgiven and treated as though you were Jesus himself.
1: Mm. Yeah, I never get tired of hearing that. Mm.
0: (laughs) You know, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Yes.
1: And, and, uh, you know, as as I grow uh, older and as years go by, um, and uh, I just daily, I'm thankful. Mm. I I find points in my life or day where I, I say, Lord, I am so grateful for forgiveness Yes. Because I'm am a sinner, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the way I spoke to my children, I thank mm-hmm. you for forgiving me for that. You know, yes. seek forgiveness for them, of course. But but uh, I am so thankful that uh, that all those things that I do throughout the day are, are forgiven by Him. So let me ask you, in conjunction with that, what's the extent of forgiveness? Is it past, present, future? Is it certain sins? Uh, is it is there a level of of sin that'll that'll go beyond the forgiveness that He offers?
0: I sure hope it comes to them all. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. If there is any sin that I've ever committed or ever will commit that was not atoned for by Jesus on the cross, I'm in Mm -hmm. trouble. Right. Um, No, the scripture says that there is one sacrifice for all. It's Mm -hmm. done. That's the difference. And the the writer of Hebrews expands on this. So in the Old Covenant, they had to bring the sacrifices of the animals daily. Every single day, because those sacrifices did not actually take care of the sins of the people. Jesus died once, and he's mm-hmm. done, and every sin he took, every one of my sins, every believer's, mm-hmm. no matter how great the sins they are. We we tend to make categories of sins, and the Bible does too. I mean, there are weightier Right, sins. right. Even in the Old Covenant, Jesus talked about mm-hmm. the weightier matters of the law and that kind of thing. And, you know, some some laws were uh, in the old covenant were punished by death. Others, you had to go through ceremonial cleansing. So even in God's mind, some are more heinous, but any offense against God deserves his punishment. Jesus took them all. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what your past or your present sins are. If you truly repent and you put your trust in Christ or have done that, then your sins are forgiven. And we need to to know that for ourselves, but also Mm -hmm. as we preach the gospel to others because, Mm -hmm. you know, we we talked at the beginning here about this uh, series that we're doing on homosexuality. There's a part of some of us that just are repulsed at homosexuality more so than other sins.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, That that just, that's how some people react. And, And I get that. And even Paul does call homosexuality unnatural. But when I'm speaking to someone who practices homosexual sin, the gospel can cover that sin as well. Mm-hmm, Christ can atone for that sin as well. And I need to mm-hmm. not treat him as though he's repulsive to me. Mm-hmm. I need to treat him as though he's an offender against God, but there's hope for reconciliation even for him. We yeah. see this over and over again, the, the prostitute, the, 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 the tax collector. I mean, Matthew was a horrendous thief. And then <laughs> the, the apostle Paul, I, you, I've probably said this before, and I get really animated when I hear Christians <laughs> saying, I'm the chief of sinners. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay get over yourself no you're not don't rob <laughs> paul of that distinction he killed christians right he killed the people of jesus it doesn't get any worse than that mm-hmm. and yet he found grace and forgiveness in mm-hmm. christ
1: amen amen hey i got a question for you i was listening to something uh or reading something i think it was uh, a couple of days ago uh where a popular uh speaker radio guy said this this phrase he says he didn't he believes that that we when we come to salvation Uh, In Christ, we are forgiven of past and present sins, but not future unless we ask forgiveness for them. What are your thoughts on that? What would you say?
0: If that's true, I am doomed. That's right. There's (laughs) no way I'm going to remember every sin that I committed Mm -hmm. in the future and ask God for specific forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plus, wouldn't that mean that Jesus has to go to the cross again? Right. Right. Uh, it, 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 all those are just rational arguments. The, the, yep. the most clear argument is God says through the writer of Hebrews, one sacrifice for all. You are forgiven. You are justified. Mm-hmm. And, and it's done. Now, right. we, there are warnings in the New Covenant scriptures, mm-hmm. and we need to take those seriously. If uh, I, I mean, and again, this might be worthy of a whole other episode. Uh <laughs> I take those warnings seriously. And when the scripture says, uh, don't fall away, I think it means don't fall away. Uh, So if you don't die in faith, then you're in trouble. Uh, And we do need to let the warning passages motivate us Mm -hmm. to make sure that we are striving for righteousness, that we are uh, living for Christ and living as uh, his people and forgiven and all that. But uh, if, if my faith is genuine then he took all sins, whether I remember to ask forgiveness for them or not.
3: That's right.
1: Yeah, after every episode we do, my list for show t- future <laughs> show topics gets longer and longer. So yeah, we've got a show I, I wrote down uh, for, for assurance and warnings already. Mm, so, mm-hmm. so we'll definitely, definitely be getting to that. Let's, let's switch gears just a little bit here. Um, we, we said that there was two distinctives uh, for the New Covenant community. We said that they are fully forgiven and have the Holy Spirit. Now while mm-hmm. while um uh most who are not paedobaptist will not have a problem with that first one this one right here may may uh be controversial to some or or just they have a lot of questions ambiguity so uh, let's let's dive into that what in what way uh does does a new covenant person a community member have the holy spirit cuz because that, that's kind of vague. They have the Holy Spirit. In what way do we have the Holy Spirit?
0: Well, uh, you know me. I don't like to talk in theological <laughs> terms. Right. Let, let's go back and see what the Scripture has to say.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, another passage, we, we talked about Jeremiah 31, where God talked about forgiveness of sins in the New Covenant. He also said, I will write my law on their heart. hmm uh and of course our covenant guys love to jump on that and say see he's, <laughs> he's, he's gonna write the 10 commandments on our heart he's gonna rewrite um, them exactly <laughs> <it> because, <laughs> well no he's gonna take them from the tablets and put them on our heart that's that's how they would interpret like in Romans 7 but of course uh through Jeremiah, he doesn't limit that to the Ten Commandments at right, all. Right. In Ezekiel 36, we get a little bit more information mm-hmm. about what's going to happen when the new covenant comes. So for us, this is past. But for the Jews, this is all looking forward. They, right. they had not received all this uh, yet. So in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-five, we read this. Then in the future, mm-hmm. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. That's just what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. You'll be forgiven. When mm-hmm. God sprinkles you clean, you're clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Of course, idolatry was the number one sin of yep. Israel, and they committed it over and over again. But here he's predicting a time when God will remove that from him. From mm-hmm. him. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new Spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So, you, Mr. Fails, who love to take one word and give it a of <laughs> definition like ecle- Ecclesia and, or Ecclesia and import that everywhere, he just said, I'm God, just said, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Well, if uh-huh. we take our normal definition of flesh, right, we're in trouble, right? God is saying, I'm going to give you. A heart of sinful nature.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously, that's not what he means. No. He's saying your heart right now is as hard as a rock. Right. It needs to be soft so that it will listen to my instruction. And mm-hmm. he says that. I'm going to give you a different kind of a heart, a heart that's that's malleable, a heart that's soft, a heart that beats. It's not mm-hmm. hard like a rock. I will put, and this is what's going to happen to bring about that uh, that soft heart and the cleansing and all this. I will put my spirit within you Mm. and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So what he has rebuked Israel of over and over and over again, or rebuked them for was the fact that they had a hard heart, an uncircumcised heart. He said, you guys circumcise the flesh. You need a circumcised heart. He said that all the way back in Deuteronomy at the beginning of his relationship with them. You have a hard heart. You're constantly uh, rebelling against me. You're you're obstinate, but I'm going to change that. I'm going to give my spirit and put him within you and he's going to transform you from the inside out so that you will want to please me. The old covenant uh, people did not have the Holy Spirit,
3: mm. and
0: that's hard for some people to believe.
3: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. go
0: read the, the Old Testament; they did mm-hmm. not have the Spirit indwelling them. In fact, yeah. this promise is unimpressive if they already had it. Right. I had a professor one time in seminary. Again, I went to two Reformed seminaries, so I got this in huge doses. Had a uh, a, a seminary professor who uh, said to me. The new covenant is not newer in kind. <laughs> it's new, newer in degree. <laughs> so the old covenant saints had the Holy Spirit. We just get more of him. Hey. I said, first of all, number one, show me. Number two, what does that even mean? <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: <laughs> what, wh- how, how, do, how am I different from Moses? Right. He said, well, you've got more of the Holy Spirit. I said, what does that, what does that look like? Is he hmm. bearing fruit in me? Yeah, he's bearing fruit. Well, did he bear fruit in Moses? Yes. So how's that different? You're, you're telling me there's a difference, but everything I ask you, you say no. Moses had that too. Moses mm-hmm. had that too. Mm-hmm. What's different about it? This promise is meaningless if it is not a drastically new thing that God is going to do in the future.
3: Right. He's you actually
0: think, putting his spirit inside us.
1: I think. I think it'd be uh, for, for the for the old covenant Jew to, to hear this from Ezekiel, um, and Isaiah, Joel talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out on them or being placed within them, this would have been astounding. I think because of the fact that we're 2,000 years removed from the temple, mm-hmm. that we don't mm-hmm. understand the significance sometimes of, of how this would have impacted the ears of the original hearers. I mean, we're, if, if you were to say, where's the presence of God in the Old Covenant, they would have pointed over to the temple.
0: Exactly. Uh, it was exactly. a place.
1: It was a place where if you wanted to meet with God, you went to the temple, and that's why the people would journey several times a year from different parts of, of, of the nation of Israel to the temple because that's where the presence of God was. If you wanted to meet with God in a special way, you would you would go there. Now, we're not saying, folks, that, that uh, God is not everywhere. Um, an illustration I use with my kids is a magnifying glass uh, I, I, to teach them about um, the special presence, if you will, of God mm. is 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 I'll take them outside, and I say, you see the sunlight everywhere on the ground? And they say, yeah. And then I pull out this cool-looking magnifying glass, and I, I, I narrow the, the beam down to where it's very brilliant very warm. And they, can, they put their hand on it. I don't burn them. <laughs> 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 but they, the boy usually catches on to the fact that, hey, this could be used to start fire. But, um, <laughs> right. but, but, but uh, I, I narrow it down to show them. I said, no, it's the same light, but it's in a particular special way now. Right. Uh, that it's being manifested. And I'd say that's that's, that's what the that's what Holy Spirit is going, doing right here. In the Old Testament, this, this, the presence of God was in a, a particular, special way manifested in uh, the, the temple and in Israel itself. And in the New Covenant, there is an even more significant way in which the, the presence of God is manifested. And so let me ask you, how is that? What it, you said that the Spirit's going to live in us, and when we hear the, the New Testament words of indwelling— is, is the Holy Spirit actually indwelling the believer?
0: Uh, well, it seems to be what the uh, the Old and the New Testament uh, explains. Uh, however, I think we need to be careful and not get too caught up in those uh, location terms. Mm-hmm. That's not the point.
3: Mm-hmm. The
0: point is not where is he, where isn't he? Of course, the Spirit's everywhere. The point is what he's doing. Right. He is doing something, and your illustration uh, is helpful here. Mm-hmm. He's doing something in the believer that he did not do in anyone prior to the coming of Christ, right. and that he doesn't do in anyone now who's outside of Christ. Yeah. He's, he's changing us from the inside out. He's at work in our heart. And, and we don't know how to talk about that in any way other than location. He's in me. But mm-hmm. that's not the point. It's not about where he dwells. It's about what he's doing. He's right. Accomplishing this transformation, which he didn't do in Israel, which is why the vast majority of Israelites rebelled against God because mm-hmm. they did not possess the special work of the Spirit in their heart to transform them. Now, he did empower certain servants in the Old Covenant to do things, such mm-hmm. as Moses, such as Saul, mm-hmm. such as David, and others. Right. Uh, but the key, but he didn't promise to stay doing that work. And he didn't do this for everybody. One of the great passages that, ex- that expresses this is Psalm 51. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about your church, but in my church, I do not allow our music t- uh, director to lead us in any of those songs like, Create in me a clean heart, O God. <laughs> Remember that old song and there's been newer mm-hmm. versions of it? Create in me a clean heart, O God. let not your ho- Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Right, right, right. Ripped right out of Psalm 51. And you think, oh, how could it be wrong to sing scripture to sing the (laughs) Psalms? Here's why we must never, we I shouldn't say we must not, we never need to pray that prayer. Right. David did need to pray it. Mm -hmm. So here's a man. So the the scripture tells us that Psalm 51 was written after his sin with Bathsheba. Right. So here's a man, the leader of the, the, the kingdom of Israel. A man who has committed adultery and he's committed murder to cover it up.
3: Mm-hmm. What
0: is the punishment in the old covenant for murder? Death. Instant death.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Pick up the stones right now. Kill him. Mm-hmm. What right. is the penalty for adultery in the old covenant? Death. Death. He has committed two capital offenses mm-hmm. and there is nowhere in the old covenant that God says, if you commit adultery and murder, either stone him to death or bring a whole bunch of animals and sacrifice them. Mm-hmm. There is no atonement. There is no forgiveness. There's no do this and, and we'll move past it. No, no. David should have been killed,
3: mm-hmm.
0: instantly judged by the others when he committed these sins. Mm-hmm. Nathan, the prophet, shows up, and this is, you've heard me say before, this is where VeggieTales just gets it all wrong. They they do a great story, and it's wonderful, but, uh, and it's hilarious to watch this, but you missed the point, because it's not just about David being selfish. Right. (laughs) Nathan shows up, and if you remember, he tells him the story, right? There's a guy who has one goat, and Mm -hmm.
3: and he,
0: he uses an illustration to reveal to David what David has done. And that's all, that's all good. That's all powerful. It works. But after David recognizes his own sin, that he's been caught, Nathan says, you will not die.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If you go back and look at that,
3: mm-hmm.
0: after, after David comes to understand what's going on here, he's been caught red-handed. God's aware. Nathan says, you will not die. That is huge for mm-hmm. David. Mm-hmm. Because David knows the covenant.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He knows The death penalty is the just requirement of God's law. And Nathan Mm -hmm. says, God is going to show you mercy. Mercy is not the same thing as justice. Mm -hmm. Justice demanded death. God said, I'm not going to kill you. Mm -hmm. So David writes this Psalm, Psalm 51, and he says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Not according to your covenant,
3: Mm -hmm. not
0: according to the law. Right, right. He goes, I know you. I'm asking for your compassion. I'm asking for you to release me of my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And then later on he says, please don't take your spirit from me. Remember, Mm -hmm. David was a very close associate of King Saul. Mm -hmm. And he saw what happened when the spirit came upon Saul. Saul did amazing things, but then Saul sinned against God. And God removed his spirit from Saul, and Saul went crazy. Right. And David saw that and he says, Oh no, I've committed even worse acts than Saul. If God takes his spirit from me, I'm doomed. Mm-hmm. That's because that's how it worked in the old covenant. Mm-hmm. But in the new covenant, if you're truly in the new covenant, God has sent his spirit to start transforming you from the inside out, and he will never remove that spirit. We don't have to ask him to create a clean heart in us. He has already given us a new heart. One of the things that I hate, I know I feel I'm preaching here, but this this gets under my skin (laughs) when I hear Reformed and and Covenant pastors and others tell their congregations, your righteousness is filthy rags. Mm. It is not Mm
3: -mm.
0: unless everyone (laughs) in that congregation is apostate. When the old Testament prophets say that to Israel, they are talking to apostate rebellious, idolatrous Israel Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and your righteousness is filthy rags. If that's the case, but in my congregation, I know my people (laughs) and If I knew any of them were apostate, we'd be having very serious church discipline conversations. As far as (laughs) I can tell, they love Jesus. Yeah. And they're striving to please him. How dare I tell them your righteousness, your effort to please Jesus is filthy rags? Mm
3: -hmm.
0: No, 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 no. You have been the recipients of the Spirit of God. And a cleansed and purified heart. He has done what he promised to do. He's changing us. He's given us a heart of flesh. My heart desires to please Jesus. Now, do I do it perfectly all the time? No. But my people desire to please Jesus. And Revelation 19 says their righteous acts are the bridal gown that they're dressing themselves in to make them beautiful for the coming bridegroom. Right. And I'm going to turn around and say it's filthiness. No, no, mm-hmm. no, that's old covenant thinking, that right. is someone who doesn't understand the forgiveness of sin, the cleansing, and the new heart that we have been given that now beats after God.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things I appreciate about uh, your explanations, and I hope that our audience is picking up on, not just in this episode, but time and again on the other episodes and in your writings and such, is, is uh, the importance of understanding the scripture within the context of... The, the book it's in the the audience it's written to, and also within the age that it's written to the 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 covenant people that it's talking to you know uh clear clearly right there you showed a case of of people who are in the new covenant taking uh a passage that was written to those and describing those who are under the old covenant and trying to bring it in and there's confusion at that point uh, there's there's distortion of the truth of of reality in which we live. Uh, as being those who've been bought by the blood of Jesus
0: Christ. Oh, and it's crushing yes. for the hearers. Mm. I mean, imagine going to a church week after week after week and the pastor getting up and saying, your hearts are hardened. You need circumcised hearts. You are uh, evil people. You need the cleansing of the spirit. Mm. Your righteousness is filthy rags. You are merely slaves of sin who can do no better. Uh, why would you ever try? You'd go home just miserable mm. time and time again. And right. All of that is in direct contradiction to what the new covenant scriptures tell us.
1: Okay. Mm. Mm. So, so all believers then, all people in the new covenant have the Holy Spirit. There's nobody in the new covenant without it.
0: Absolutely. Paul says it extremely clearly in Romans 8. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him.
3: That's right. Right. Now,
0: that doesn't mean everybody in my church. Like I said, I know my people, mm-hmm. and I don't know anybody who's in open rebellion, or if, if that is discovered, then we deal with it. Um, so there may be wolves and sheep clothing in my congregation, but if they are in the true congregation, if they are in the church of Jesus Christ, not my mm-hmm. church, but his church, they have his spirit.
3: Right. Right.
0: Without exception.
3: Mm.
1: Okay. All right. So um, what, what, What's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers? What In the New Covenant community, what does the Holy Spirit do?
0: Oh, he does everything. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite courses to teach in our seminary is called Glory of the New Covenant 2, and we mm-hmm. spend a great deal of time walking through the New Testament in all the places that... The Holy Spirit is, is represented there. Mm. Uh, one of the things for year, years ago that I had to write a paper on the Holy Spirit, and I had never realized this before, but everything that Jesus did, he did in the power of the Spirit.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: We forget Jesus of Nazareth is a man. Right. And he is not God. Now, the person Jesus is, but the man is not God. He, that's why we call him the God-man. There's, there's, mm-hmm. And this you know we have to be careful and not go too far here because our head will explode and we'll probably get into heresy. <laughs> but Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, as we like to talk about him, he has a human nature and a divine nature, and they are not mixed. Right. The man Jesus is entirely human. So how does that man... Jesus do all that he did. The scripture repeatedly attributes all the things that he did to the power of the Holy Spirit, his miracles, mm-hmm. his insight, his knowledge, his awareness of what was going on, his ability to drive out demons and to heal people. All of those things are attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons I love to stress that is because the scripture makes it clear. It's that same spirit who indwells you in me. Mm -hmm. The same spirit that raised Jesus from Mm -hmm. the dead. How has your dad been able to overcome physical affliction after physical affliction and continue to preach the gospel Mm -hmm. to edify people. And even now in his dying days, Mm -hmm. finish this with hope (laughs) and joy. It's because the same spirit who empowered Jesus to mm-hmm. persevere through suffering in hope and joy indwells your Father.
1: Amen. <laughs> Amen.
0: We Amen. have that same Spirit. So everything Jesus did is attributed to the Spirit. We have that Spirit. And His Spirit is given credit for everything. The, 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 first and foremost, we think of the fruit of the Spirit. hmm and, you know, all of us who are raised in the church, we memorize those, <laughs> those verses when we were kids from Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience. You know, I don't know if you ever sang the song, uh, um, uh, The Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. Anyway, no, uh, no, it's a, it's a cute little <laughs> dumb song that uh, we sing around here. Um, but we, we know those verses, but how quickly we forget them when, when depression comes, we don't run quickly for the joy of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't go to doctors and counselors and medication instead of saying, mm-hmm. wait a minute, the Spirit of God indwells me. He's mm-hmm. the one who produces joy. Now, some of those other things may be useful means, maybe, uh, maybe aids uh, and helps, but the, if I'm going to have joy, I'm going to have joy because God's Spirit is producing joy. I need to love people. I need to love my wife more. I need to love you more. I need to live, love my congregation more. Well, who is it that produces love? the spirit of God
3: mm-hmm.
0: and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, all of those things, we have all of God's power available to us to be transformed. We need to seek him. That's his, I would say that's his major work mm-hmm. uh, after conversion uh, for, for those of us who are in Christ. And then he leads us and he guides us. And the scripture says he intercedes for us. He helps us pray, pray, uh, we're supposed to pray in the spirit but we're also uh thankful that he takes our prayers and transforms them into something worthy of god when he presents our prayers to god romans 8 uh he he, he gives us the hope and the strength. we've already talked about him he 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 is transforming us into the image of christ constantly mm. that's what he was sent to do mm. Mm. so so um Has the, and I'm asking this because
1: the fact that this comes up with some folks is has the emphasis in the church then shifted uh, since the time of Pentecost from an age of Christ uh, those thirty three years if you will uh, to an age of the Holy Spirit. Uh, How does the Holy Spirit fit into our understanding of the one plan of God, which is the exaltation of Jesus Christ? If if the Holy Spirit is quote unquote the the main the main person of the Trinity, we're 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 focused on.
0: Sure. Um, Think about. The triune God and, and uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father and Son are both both very personal imagery I- images.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know, you and your father have a very personal relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. Spirit is kind of different, right? It it's mm-hmm. in fact, if the Bible didn't call the Holy Spirit a He. Uh, we would be more inclined to think of it as an it because we think of spirits as sort of non-personal, uh, although I'm very hard on my students when they call the Holy Spirit an it. I say right. you wouldn't like it to be called an it. <laughs> see, he's a he, so call him he. Um, right. But he is called the power of God. Even Jesus called uh, the Holy Spirit the power of God. So it, it's it, this kind of imagery. Jesus says to the disciples, I'm going to leave you, and that's a good thing. And And you and I would be like with them saying, That's not a good thing. How can that be a good thing for you to leave us? And he says, if I don't leave, then the helper won't come. The paraclete won't come. The spirit won't come. So how is Jesus? The scripture describes the spirit indwelling us, and he describes Jesus indwelling us. How does Jesus indwell us? He indwells us by his spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I Mm. love you. I care for you. I'm going to go. And I, Jesus of Nazareth, the one man, I can't be in more places than one at a time. He's finite in his humanity. So how can he be in all of his people? Well, it's through his spirit who is everywhere. Hmm. I'm not denying, by the way, just for those, save you a few emails. I'm not denying that the deity of the second person of the Trinity is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. But mm-hmm. the man, Jesus of Nazareth, can only be in one place at one time. But he an, is able to indwell his people through his spirit. So it doesn't, it, we get into it just a matter of semantics as far as I'm concerned. Is Jesus transforming me? Yes. Is the spirit transforming me? Yes. Uh, is Jesus filling me? Yes. Is the spirit filling me? Yes. I don't, it doesn't really matter. The point is Jesus through his spirit is changing us into his image more and more all the time. But in answer to your question – I have no problem saying we're in the age of the spirit, uh, since Pentecost, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, like you said that at the beginning, the two great promises of the new covenant were number one, forgiveness of sin, number two, the Holy spirit. So to say that that's how God is ruling and reigning or how Jesus is ruling and reigning through his people is by the indwelling of the spirit. Yep. Great. That makes perfect sense to me.
1: Hmm. So, so, um, so to just clarify something, uh, the Holy spirit, he's not,
0: uh, his his role isn't to exalt himself, but Christ Jesus. Correct. Jesus Correct. said that when mm-hmm. he said when he told us he would send his spirit, he said his spirit will draw glory to me, Jesus, mm-hmm. not to himself. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, definitely, definitely. That's how it fits in the uh, one plan there of exalting Christ.
0: Exactly. exactly. So,
1: so um, we've kind of already answered some of the questions that I was going to ask you about uh, the the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the Old Testament, and we saw uh, the, his, his, him acting superficially, temporary, coming upon uh, – I, I, one of the illustrations I use is Samson with uh, the Holy Spirit coming mm-hmm. upon him just mm-hmm. to even be able to use that physical strength that everybody thinks that he had all the time. Um, right. But uh, let, me, let, me, let me go on to another one. Uh, is the Holy Spirit – because this is a question that comes up a lot because we look in the Old Covenant and we see a sign of circumcision given for that covenant. Uh, and also the, the the Sabbath itself was a sign of, of the covenant. Uh, we look at the New Testament, and the New Covenant Church, and folks would say that uh, the Holy Spirit is a sign of the New Covenant. Is that
0: true? Well, I don't like to use terminology that I can't find in the Scripture right. and to build a, a whole doctrinal conclusion on that. Uh, so the, we are not actually given anything in the new covenant that is specifically called the sign of Mm -hmm. the new covenant, which is strange because most covenants (laughs) in the Bible, there are very clear signs designated. Um, So, you know, some people want to say baptism is a sign. Some people want to say that uh, the Lord's supper is the sign. Uh, The closest I can find is the Holy spirit because in Romans two of the correlation between the physical sign in the flesh for the Jews And the circumcision of the heart that marks out a true Jew. So it makes theological sense to me that the sign of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. But I would stop short of saying with absolute certainty that's what it says. However, the the greater point is not what is the sign, but the question comes kind of, as you alluded to earlier, Mm -hmm. does every Christian have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Can you be a Christian without the Holy Spirit? No. (laughs) No. And the scripture does say that the spirit is the seal, the down payment, the, the earnest money, the guarantee that mm-hmm. we are going to be in glory with Jesus in the end. So from that perspective, to say the Holy Spirit is a sign, a, a, a stamp of God's approval on you, absolutely the, the scripture bears that out. It's right. just that when we get too technical with signs of covenants, that's where we have to slow down because the scripture doesn't actually say that but for the for the broader concern of how do i know i'm a christian and this you know anticipates the uh, the assurance conversation we'll have in some future episode one of the biblical assurances is do i see this transforming work of the spirit in my life
3: hmm.
1: Hmm. well Doug, i I'm, I'm 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 thinking that you're just very narrow minded on who is who is a member of this new covenant community <laughs> You're telling me that it's only those who are forgiven and those who have the Holy Spirit. Yep. Um, so, so what, are we to, what are we to think of, uh, of, of, of um, churches that will include as part of the community, as part of the church, those who are outside of Christ, outside of forgiveness and outside of, and don't, not indwelt with the Holy Spirit?
0: Well, on one hand, there's a whole group of uh, churches who would deny that unbelievers are in the true church
3: mm-hmm.
0: as they like to use the terms uh, universal church yeah. uh, and that kind of thing and they would say the Christian community has believers and non-believers but only the, the true church only has genuine believers and as far as that goes that's true mm-hmm. um, that kind of gets back to my wolves and sheep clothing kind of thing as I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. uh, so for a church to you know on one hand say there are unbelievers in our midst but we're going to call you all Christians knowing you're not believers. Okay. I think, I think there can be some danger in that, but as long as they affirm that only genuine believers who are filled with the Holy spirit are true Christians, then on the essentials we're together and mm-hmm. We just disagree on some of the potential danger on, on the other stuff for those who would say something like baptism brings you into the new covenant mm-hmm. as opposed to the covenant community. Uh, now we're getting very, very dangerous. The mm-hmm. uh, Federal Vision guys do that. And I, I love right. Doug Wilson. I love those guys because they are the only consistent covenant theologians I know. <laughs> they take it all the way. Right. Doug Wilson right. has actually said, baptism unites you to Christ in the New Covenant the same way that circumcision bound the Old Covenant person to the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he would say there are curses in the New Covenant, and if you don't have mm-hmm. faith, then you are cursed. So he he holds fast to justification by faith alone, but he carries over the consistency of how you get into the covenant and what the covenant is. In that mm-hmm. sense,
3: hmm.
0: I think it's dangerous.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's, it's certainly unscriptural, and it's it's dangerous. It's driven by theology more than exegesis. Um, and here, so here's a guy who I believe believes the gospel and preaches the gospel but he is. it's confusing for people to think what is the role of baptism versus what the scripture says baptism is and so on. So what you want to be careful of in all these scenarios is you don't give people assurance
3: mm. because they
0: belong to a church or because they went through some ritual. Right. Assurance comes through genuine faith in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, and transforming power of the Holy Spirit.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm looking at the time of our podcast right now and uh we could keep on going i i i, I love to sit here and conversing with you i feel we get to a point folks where we we've answered the questions that i've already written out to throw it doug and more of them are coming to my head i would love to sit around and just converse for a long time um but uh uh for for the sake of of keeping the show at a, at a reasonable time we're going to go ahead and probably wrap it up here. Unless, Doug, you got anything else to say?
0: No, no, I haven't even looked. Uh, oh, now I'm looking. Yeah, we should probably wrap this up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start hearing Doug driving again. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny
3: last week. That was great.
1: I thought you were starting a microwave that you were going to be eating at first. And then I realized that wasn't the microwave ding, that was like a door or something like that as he was putting the ignition in. So the key in the ignition. So, so uh, before you drive away again, we, we should probably wrap this up. We should. But really appreciate you, appreciate, uh, uh, you uh, uh, just, just uh, blessing us with the wealth of knowledge and study that, that you, you have. And uh, you, you've spent so much time uh, learning and uh, preparing yourself and ministering. And you've ministered to us, ministered to me greatly today. So I appreciate it. Um, folks, if you have any questions, feel free to send them to me at Chris at crosstocrown.org. And uh, you'll see that also in the show notes, in case you didn't catch it just now, you'll also see a link to the website where you can go and check out the books that we talked about at the beginning from John Reisinger. Uh, and, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I got corrected. I used to say, um, how did he say his name? Reisinger. And uh, we had Heather Kendall on the show who knew him personally and said, it's Reisinger. I said, okay. So, well, uh,
0: well let me correct you again. It's actually, Oh, really? it's actually Reisinger. Risingur, you see, I do that too, still. Yeah.
3: The G
1: now, the yeah, Ringur. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, there you go. Correct it again. It's a good thing I haven't met him. I, I would have gotten scolded. But, but uh, check out the website and check out the books that are on there. It's just uh, it's a great place to, to explore because there's so many resources there. Uh, more and more are at it all the time. So uh, I find myself, did uh, I tell you that what I do during my workouts? You know, get up in the morning, and uh, I'll go to Cross the Crown uh, Facebook, or, or, uh, website and uh, hit one of the videos or one of the audios, and that's usually what I work out to. So, so uh, you're there with me while I'm working out, so is John and and uh, Tom Wells and all these other guys while I'm working out. So uh, working out the body and working out the mind at the same time, Excellent. hopefully working out the heart. So anyways, go there and check that out, and uh, you can also check us out on the Facebook page as well, Cross the Crown Ministries. And uh, that wraps us up for today. Join us next week when we dive into the last distinctive. And for those of you who are curious, it's that the church is the eschatological Israel.
3: Mm. Mm. That'll be fun. That,
1: you know, uh, that that typically is a big topic. Uh, so... Uh, we're going to have fun diving into that. Maybe <laughs> <That's right. laughs> be a wonderful one. All right, Doug, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Until then, we want to remind you and encourage you through the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christ-obsessed life always and in all things.
2: fruit of the spirit's not a coconut fruit of the spirit's not a coconut if you wanna be a coconut you might as well hear it you can't be a fruit of the spirit cause the fruit is love, joy, peace space kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control love, joy, peace, spaces, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control Oh, The fruit of the spirit is not a banana. The fruit of the spirit is not a banana. You want to be a banana, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the spirit, cause the fruit is love, joy, peace, spaces, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, spaces, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Oh, the fruit of the spirit is not a watermelon. The fruit of the spirit is not a watermelon. You want to be a watermelon. You might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the spirit, cause the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self control. Oh, The fruit of the spirit is not a lemon. The fruit of the spirit is not a lemon. If you wanna be a lemon? You might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the spirit, cause the fruit is love, joy, peace,
3: patience, kindness, goodness,